Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Well, today uh, we have we are so fortunate. This is our very first episode, and we have invited Randy Bretz from TEDx Lincoln, Nebraska. If you're listening to us from around the world, Lincoln is in the middle of the United States. Randy, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks. It was really fun to be here. I always tell people, if you fold a map of the United States in half twice, Lincoln is where the two folds come together, <laughs> right smack in the middle. There's a visual. I'm a map guy. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, um, you, you and I have had a chance to talk, and, and uh-huh. uh, again, thank you for being our first guest. Um, I'm curious, how did you get involved with TEDx? You know, I found that uh, my my trip was not a whole lot different from a lot of other people. I had a friend that uh, commented on, uh, looked at the TED website and said, have you seen this TEDx thing? And I, I said, well, I've seen it, but I haven't done much about it. He said, we need to have one in Lincoln. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, I don't know, a few days later, I clicked on it. I thought, you know, I, this doesn't look like a complicated application. So I filled it out. <laughs> what year and, was that? <clears throat> that was uh, early 2011. Yep. I don't know, about about. February and March, yep. and a couple, a couple within, uh, I think, within a week, I had an email said, "Congratulations, you have there a license." And then I had to slap my head and say, "Oh no, what do I do now?" And so you have this idea now. By that time, there, I think, were probably fifty TEDxes had been run. Had you been to a TEDx, or had you watched a lot of no. videos? I watched a lot of TED videos. Uh, it helps to know that I'm, I'm a TV producer as right. my first career and I produced a lot of major events from, for a company that I retired from. So I think in those terms, um, and not everybody does, but, uh, it, it helped me to know, I, I was watching Ted videos and I thought this is phenomenal video production and it's just absolutely incredible content. Right, and it right. combined two things that I just really loved, uh, the, the, the good quality video production and high quality content. So you look at, you know, back in the day in 2011, the resources available for TEDx organizers was still sparse. There, you know, there was some material, but it was still a little sparse. I mean, there's a huge community now, what, 3,300 TEDx's in 2016 and, and lots of events for us to attend. But back then, you know, you were figuring it out on your own. How many TEDx's have you done since then? Well, I've done uh, six main events, uh, TEDx Lincoln. Uh, I've helped with. Uh, I've, li- I've been the licensee and worked on two youth events. Oh, uh, two two women events, and uh, I've done I think four viewing parties. We we had a viewing party for an entire day of TED a couple of years ago. 
So that's and, the that's the live license that you can yeah. get and, and invite people to. Mm-hmm. And I've I, done uh, eight or eight or ten salons. Oh my gosh! Where you show a video and you talk about it. So that's that's a stay on salons for a second. So that's how you guys do it. That you know that was the original idea of TEDx was that uh, people would come together in their homes and they would play a video and then talk about it. That was the idea, uh-huh. and then it kind of blew up to what it is today. And the it's kind salon, of a bookless, a bookless book club. Oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly. My, my, my wife is in a group like that. They call it drink and think. Because, you know, <laughs> book clubs have to have wine and you have to read a book so you can talk about it. Well, with a, with a salon kind of an event, you watch a TED video or a TEDx video and you talk about it. And you have to have a little wine to kind oh, of – exactly. In, in the United States at least to exactly. make it happen. So you know, you you went from zero in 2011 to having done eight. I mean, a lot of TED, a lot of TED, and you're retired. Is that right? I am retired. Yes, I, I retired in 2012. And so, so you, it's not like you have free time, but you do have time to dedicate to this. I'm, I'm curious. How many hours? I was looking at a, a TED's uh, organizer survey, and they ask how many hours we think we put in. What would you guess? Oh, the total number of hours is probably. Uh, I work on TED X Lincoln for about an hour a day every day. Uh, some days I, you know, work. That's an average. Some days I'll spend a half a day. Uh, other days I'm I'm busy with other things and I don't spend any time, but. I think it's averages five hours a week. So add that up. It uh, you know, and then when you get close to the sure. closer to the event, it just takes over. I'm thinking of putting so. together a. Uh, I've seen a few timelines, so you could sit and work and figure out from a how much time you have to allocate towards the various activities. Again, as I'm I'm talking as an executive producer, what you have mm-hmm. to do and and how that works. I've I've seen a couple of things, but I haven't seen it broken down as as much as I would like. I've got another question. What's interesting about TEDx is that there's if the format is given to us by TED and there there are certain requirements that we have, but people have really vectored off in a lot of different ways and how they do that. And in talking to organizers, I've found that several of them put a unique flavor on it. I mean, the idea of it's for our communities and what is it, you know, in addition to the speakers, um, that makes your event unique? What, what's that Lincoln flavor that you add? Well, because I'm a a TV producer, I think they, the Lincoln flavor as much as, well, I think there are two things. One is, uh, I spend a lot of time and effort and money making sure I have a high quality production. Mm. Uh, and I would, uh, I, I don't have nearly the number of cameras and editing that, uh, that Ted does, but I think we, we turn out a, a quality product video wise. And the second thing is I feel like, uh, TEDx Lincoln is a local thing oriented to what happens in, in, in my community. And actually my community is almost the entire state. So I arbitrarily have said, Everybody on our stage has to either be from Nebraska or have a strong Nebraska connection. So, in other words, we don't import speakers uh, because I feel 
I don't care whether you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, or you live in uh, Panama City, Panama. There are great ideas from the, yeah. the local people. Yeah. And that's why, and so that's part of the flavor. Uh, and I'm not criticizing the people that bring in outside speakers, but that's something that, that I think makes ours really special. Let's stay with that for a second, because one of the things when, you know, when we're coaching speakers at TEDx Santa Barbara, we're also, you know, we, we want them to be from the area. We, we do bring in some outside people, but what we tell everyone is that the people who will be watching the videos are going to be well outside Nebraska. I mean, we're yeah. at Santa Barbara just hit 265,000 views on YouTube with all of our mm -hmm. videos from our last show. And they're all over the world, right? So yeah, the same here. So that so playing to the local audience doesn't really serve. How how do you um, coach the speakers on like is that idea got legs beyond the local community? Uh, part of that is handled when in the selection. Hmm. Uh, when we select speakers, we want to make sure that whatever it is they want to talk about can can be viewed as helpful uh, in other parts of the country and, and across the world. And part of it is uh, our coaches, when they work with our speakers, are you know reminding them of that very thing. You're going to be on the stage here in Nebraska, but this is going to go on YouTube. It's going to have yeah. a life well yeah. beyond this, and it's going to reach people in other parts of the world. And so they help them. Uh, our, our coaches do more than just say, move here and gesture here, they help them put the content together and the coaches have that in mind. So that's, but that's an excellent point. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's that, that idea test, you know, we talk about ideas worth spreading. It's like, what's the core idea embedded in this talk? It's not just to talk about your life story. It's like, what's, exactly. where, what's the idea. And is there uh, applicability to, you know, someone in Bangalore or someone in Finland, you know, it's like mm -hmm. my, my other podcasts of 42 countries listening. So when you talk, you can't be geo specific or time specific. It's these things are, are evergreen in that regard. So I, I appreciate that. I want to go back to the quality of the production. When I'm um, coaching organizers, I explain to them because they go, oh, well, we'll just have a couple of cameras and we'll shoot the thing. And it's, and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. It's, it's yeah. you're building a television studio for one day with a live audience. You're going to do 16 to 18 episodes of your show and it's mm -hmm. going to last forever. And the audience is to give the energy back to the speaker when they're in the red circle. And you want a lot. I mean, you, when you're asking yourself a question, should we have this or should we have that? I have them close their eyes and think, would that be in a regular television show? They'll go, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, you do need a stage manager. Yes. I mean, I remember one guy we were working with, he said, you have to have makeup, hair and makeup? Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to have hair and makeup. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Well, we don't do that a whole lot here, but we do some of it. We have people in the green room helping our speakers get ready. They do they do verbal exercises and, oh, and vocal exercises and so on. Uh, it's, it helps for people to understand. I have a very close uh, relationship. I worked at Nebraska Public uh, Broadcasting. Oh, okay. I still do part-time. And so the first event that we held was in that in their building and uh, – 
because that meant I had quality video production capabilities right there. Nice. And then the next three events we had, we moved from their meeting room with a couple of cameras into their full studio. And I have a very large studio. We did a four camera production and I had to pay for it, but I had an executive producer. I had a, a TV director. I had a graphics guy. Had a, an audio guy, actually two audio people. One running uh, amplified sound, and the other one running recorded sound. And and so it, it was it was a major production, and I I paid a pretty good price for that. And then so you you had a sponsor that came in and paid for oh yeah, all I that. Had, I had a, a number of sponsors that uh, have helped out. Uh, through, you know, their money goes for the facility. Uh, for our regular expenses of the production expense and and things of that nature. So, when when you were thinking about what the skills were that you had, you could bring to the table. There was obviously the production and the ability to pull off an event, but when you mm-hmm. think about all of the other things you are now good at that you may not have <laughs> known you needed to be good at, and I'm thinking of. Just the organizing, the hundreds of moving parts, the producing, just the actual production of things, the marketing, you know, filling the seats and the branding and the theme and all of that that comes with that. And then curating the stage, curating the audience, and then all the partnering and sponsoring of, I mean, there's hundreds of little things, but where would you say your superpower is? Uh, I think my superpower is in, in producing, uh, as I've already said, I'm a TV producer. I have another superpower and I know you do too, Mark. I'm married to a wonderful woman (laughs) who is a, a, a coach, a speech coach. She teaches at a local high school. She coaches. And so she has helped put the, the coaching side of things together. Right. She doesn't drive that bus, but she is on the bus up toward the front. Uh, and probably another superpower that I have is <laughs> I have a friend here in town that calls me the social synapse of Lincoln. He said, Brett's, you know, everybody. And uh, because I'm, I'm older and I've, I've lived a life that's involved me in education, even in, in, in religion and in production and business, I combine P I know people in all those worlds in right. the community. And so that's where I've recruited people from that that base of people that I know. So those two two superpowers. You know, free, I'm, I'm that same. Production. I'm right? married to a wonderful woman who's a coach, and and uh, I'm a connector. I love to invite people to participate. I was um, I was approached. Oh, I was probably 25 years ago now. To was I interested in being mayor? And I just looked at them. I said, "Do you do you guys know who you're talking to, really?" But it it is that um, being networked and knowing uh-huh. you know where to go. Especially, I mean, I think the advice I would have for for organizers is if you're not networked, then you need to get someone who is because that's how you get a lot of things yeah. done. Especially, I, I call it value engineering, which is how do we get the most value for the least amount of money? Cause we don't, you know, we run these events on, mm-hmm. on shoestrings as you know, 
and uh, that that becomes uh, that's another superpower is, is raising the money. So networking. Your wife's a speaker coach. You said mine is as well. Kimberly Weil is has been. She started in the beginning and and found out that she absolutely loves it, and it's yeah, more work. Too. Oh my gosh, it's more work than than any of us ever. Um, thought of when we started i want to ask you kind of the next the next question that's always interested me which is what was the biggest surprise but let's <laughs> do that not from the beginning because everything was unknown but let's say like recently a big surprise that you might have had well i'll go back to the beginning because the biggest surprise i had was that it was more there was more to it than i thought it there would be mm. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd help put conferences together for before academic conferences where you ask people to submit their ideas and you say, okay, you, you speak and you're on at two o'clock in the afternoon and you give them a room and a, and a, and a, a projector and they do their thing. Uh, there's no video involved. There's no audio. Well, maybe a PA system, but right, no coaching. Right. right. And th- there's just so much more to it. And I had to raise money. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and that goes hand in hand with uh, the most important lesson is that is to reach out for help. Oh. In the early days, we had the wiki, and uh, then we had the Google Docs, and now we've got the TEDx Hub. Yeah, I love the and Hub. Yeah. Just, you know, never be afraid to ask a question if you're brand new at this or if you're a veteran. Uh, I asked a question just the other day of, of people on the Hub. So, just reach out for help. That's probably the most important lesson I learned. I think Not that, just among TEDx people, but reach out and ask for help from people in your own community. Don't be afraid to ask, uh, you know, somebody you know to help coach speakers. So. It's, it's interesting you say that because I was approached by a brand and they said, how can we, they, you know, they saw our site and said, how can we help? And I was like, hold it, you're a decent sized brand. And I went and it was genuinely, we, we want, it was not what was going to be in it for them is this person. It's like, I really want to help. There's the thing that I can do that I know you're going to need. And, and what's my response? Thank you. Right. You just say, thank you. But I think that's where good communications on an ongoing basis with your community so they know well in advance the kinds of things you're looking for. And, and it's great. You're right. People step up. I, I'm on the uh, the Facebook group, the TEDx, the TED community mm-hmm. group. And mm-hmm. I will find a question that I'm, I'm not exactly sure of. Or the reverse of that is someone asks a question. And I, it's you know that by answering that question, you're helping someone out. And it's you get that sense of community and being connected, which is uh, I think one of the big things that I get out of it. Now I'm I need to ask. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, Joseph Campbell's, um, you know, the hero's journey, and there's always a dragon in the story. And <laughs> y- you know, you've done so many of these TEDx's, but <clears throat> is there a dragon that? You know, it, you keep having to slay, or one that you slayed that. that and what I want to hear is, I want to hear the story about you recognize the dragon, then how you slayed it. Well, I wrote down one thing, but as you asked the question, something else has come to mind. Um, I get discouraged. It's overwhelming sometimes. Uh, 
And uh, mm. my, most of my mornings I spend drinking coffee, just kind of reflecting for, I don't know, 15 minutes or so before I hit the day. And there are days when I think, oh, gosh, I got to do this, I got to do that. Why am I still doing this? I, I you know, I just kind of, I'm done with this. I want to go on to life. I'm retired. And so that's my dragon that I have to slay over and over again. And you know how I slay it? How do you do that? I go on the hub and I don't even say anything. I just read what's oh. on the hub people oh. and, I, and I get inspired again mm. or mm. On, on the Facebook group. And somebody will say, hey, this happened in Sri Lanka yesterday. Right. And I right. get inspired or so, you know, I, I don't put a note out there to say i'm frustrated I, you know, I'm, just going, I'm tired i need a lifeline I, you know i got a life i got much as the grandkids i need to see um so that's my dragon and i imagine there are others that have the, the, the discouragement i'll call it discouragement yeah uh, you know, creeps in on you I, I like the um the way you solve that with going to um the hub i uh, was in new york at ted Oh, before the holidays, and I got mm. to see the new facility, and I got a chance to talk with Will. And if you're a licensee, you 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 know who Will is, and and he helps all of us um, a lot. And uh, it was it was very interesting listening to how he starts his day, and yeah. what he does is he has he goes onto Flickr, and he does a search for TEDx. And he limits the search to images within the past 24 hours. Because mm -hmm. as organizers, you, as you know, we upload all of our images to Flickr. And he said all of the things he's learned, the innovations, the ideas, the design, all of that has been from that 15 minutes a day that he spends looking at those pictures. Yeah. So you might try that too because that's uh, – that's I, I do that now. I look at it and I go, oh, these are amazing. Look at that. Yeah, I do that. I don't do it every day, but uh, and there, there are a lot of pictures on the Hub, too. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I tend to go to the Hub, and, and I just look at, oh, my gosh, look. Here's somebody in in some war-torn country, right. and they're putting on a TEDx. Right. right, Here right. I am in the middle of America. I live in the suburbs. I am, you know, first world. And I complain because three cars are in front of me at a stoplight. <laughs> and how can I be this way when that guy over there or that woman, right. that, you know, anyway, right. I'm yeah, getting emotional here. Well, that, but it, it, it does put it into, you know, perspective, right? And that we're, yeah, oh, we yeah. are all volunteers and we all are part of, you know, this much larger thing than us. And I think that's what's. So I know that's what motivates me is like, I'm part of something way, way bigger. And then all of the people that are in our team feel like they're part of something bigger. And then we, we let them know that, I mean, you know, you're, this isn't just us. This is all of us coming together for that one day, that one point in time where those speakers are going to be amazing, give the talk of their lives. And hopefully we capture it all on, on tape and it goes well, you know, um, the people who are are listening to the show, they're you know they're veterans and they're they're first timers or they're people who mm -hmm. are thinking about doing a TEDx, and we don't want to scare any of those people because you know where there's there's a lot of room for TED. Um, what what piece of advice would you have for veterans? Because you've done so many, and then what piece of advice would you have for first timers? Well, um, 
for veterans, uh, one thing that I have learned is I shouldn't try to do it all myself. And so get others involved and then step away. Uh, I'm, I'm just naturally blessed with, you know, once I ask you to do something, I just let you do it. I don't, I don't have to own it. Nice. And uh, so just, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, we are we are uh, soldiers with an incredible brand mm. on our sleeves. Mm. If you think about it, uh, I have TEDx LNK on my license plate in my car, and I have no people kidding. Just, oh, really, you're part of TEDx, oh, and wow. it's like I'm a I'm a <laughs> celebrity, movie star yeah, or nice. a celebrity, nice. Uh, and that's that carries through. You know, if, if, when you when you do a TEDx in your community. You're doing a phenomenal thing, and yeah. people want yeah. to help, so yeah. ask. And I think the same is true for first-timers, maybe in a little different way. But, you know, go on the hub and look for, uh, you know, ask for help. Uh, and 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 I've learned a lot, just like Will learns by looking at Flickr videos uh, or, or pictures. I've learned a lot just by watching, uh, and most of us, many of us stream our events so and it doesn't cost you anything. Just click and watch, even for a half an hour, an hour, uh, and even if it's in a different language, you don't mm, have to understand mm. the person saying. But you look at how it's produced. I watched uh, one down in uh, Rio. They did one in a soccer stadium. Really? I didn't understand a word, and I, and I know <laughs> Spanish, but poquito español. But but just to watch that happen, and uh, and uh, so anyway. There have been some spectacular Ted's um, out there. Oh, I've, you know, uh, it, it's funny how people have hobbies and they, on the weekend, uh, they like to go enjoy that hobby, whether it's, you know, um, cat shows or dog shows or chili cook-offs. For me, I want to, my view of retirement is going to be being able <laughs> to travel around the world, uh, go see a TEDx because, you know, as an organizer, you get greeted with open arms you know that right yeah. they just love having you there and i like being behind the scenes anyway I, I don't do very well sitting in the audience if you could go to any ted x in the world this weekend where would you go oh i would probably go to uh washington dc and take in uh, tedx mid-atlantic oh and why is that uh well i know troy and i'm just impressed with I've heard so many good things about about his programs. I have never watched one. Oh. Uh, I've I've been to uh, let's see, I've been to F Grand Rapids, Michigan, Naperville, Illinois, up at Fargo, and Omaha TEDx events. But I would go to Mid Atlantic, and then probably second is uh, down in uh, Austin, Texas. Oh, and uh, so those are a couple that I would go to. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that. That's uh, going to be a fun thing because I'm sure TEDx is going to continue for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. So your when is your next event? Well, we have a youth event uh, coming up in August, uh, August 19th we've got. And uh, then our main event will be in uh, September. We haven't picked a date yet because we're still trying to figure out a spot to do it. How many people do you have? Uh, you mean attendees? Yes. Uh, it, it runs between four and five hundred up to. I think the most we had uh, was seven hundred. I want to talk but, about 
count for a second because uh-huh. we produce uh, our events have all been in the neighborhood of 300 because I I'm a longtime Tedster I was able to break that 100 person cap in our first year. Yeah. And it just turned out that the venues we had were all in the 300 range and I have an opportunity now to go 600 and then 1200 Yet when I'm standing in those venues, I don't feel the sense of intimacy that we have in our 300-person theater that's built for live performance. And I'm curious if you have a take on that. I mean, bigger is not necessarily better. I I would really tend to agree with you. Uh, we I told you we did it in a TV studio, and we had an audience of 250 the biggest problem I had there was that the production was so expensive, I couldn't charge enough for the right. tickets, and I didn't right. raise enough sponsorship. Right. So I had to break out and go to a larger venue, which has a seating capacity of right at 800. And But there was a dynamic that was different between right. Right. The, the 250 in the studio and 700 in the, in the big auditorium. And... Uh, I know there's been research done on churches. When when a church reaches 200, it changes a dynamic. Mm. So when you bring in an associate pastor and a few things like that, I'd, I'd love it if somebody would do research on on a, a TEDx activity that way, or just any event, because I think there are certain kind of milestones that you reach that can that change the dynamic. I will. I, uh, I, I'm actually going to. I'm thinking smaller, or or you know. A smaller size gives you much more interactivity and chance to to talk with people and so on. I didn't even get into talking about all of the things that we do in between the spots. But as we're as we're getting to the end of the show here, um, you know, the show's called Hacking the Red Circle because and that na- a little bit about that name is that I feel like you've got to learn how to do things without a lot of money you have to be super creative you've got to find people to i mean you you invent things you solve problems so given that give us give us your best hack my hack <laughs> well i'll go back to asking people uh, i have a reputation in town don't have coffee with brett's or you'll be or you'll be sucked into helping with tedx <coughs> <laughs> and people kind of laugh about that, but but you know it's it's almost a a, a uh, badge of pride. I had coffee with Randy Bretts, and now I'm involved in TEDx. Lincoln. There you go. That's so, a T-shirt, right? <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> but but uh, don't be afraid to ask people to help you. Right. Uh, it's just like if you're if you're a fundraiser, you have to learn how to ask for money. Yeah. Or if you're a salesman, you have to learn how to ask for people to sign on the bottom line. Yeah. So that would be my primary thing. Just ask for help. Well, Randy, I was not afraid to ask for help to ask you with our new show to be our first guest. And this look at that. You just stepped right up. And I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you in person, seeing you on the hub, seeing you around your um, for those that uh, are, are new to the TEDx world, Randy is, um, you know, he's like the godfather out there of, of TEDx organizers. <laughs> and uh, you see him in a lot of the, the hangouts and the workshops. And uh, so, Randy, th- on behalf of the whole organizer community, thanks for everything that you do. It's, it's, a, it's important, and we appreciate the time that you dedicate to it. 
I believe in it, and I, uh, I, it, I didn't even talk about this, Mark, but one of the things, the payoffs, uh, has been the incredible, incredible number of friendships yeah. that I have made through the TEDx world. And people that believe like I do, that are doing things like I do, and uh, it, just, it, it just means a, a huge amount to me. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. I, I just, uh, I haven't met a Tedster I don't just haven't fallen in love with. And yeah, now it's, yeah. now I find myself going to um, uh, gatherings where it's all TEDx organizers. And it's, e- there's something even more to that than just the attendee. So with that, let's close it up. Uh, Randy, thank you so much. And good luck in uh, both your events that are coming up in your salons and everything else. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.